Amen. Well, now, one thing that I've been praying, that we, we were talking about miracles, Brendan. We're, I wasn't a part of your prayer time, but can I join it right now? I would like for every Sunday to feel a little bit like last Sunday in this service. Amen? I got some smiles and some fear all at the same time. It's like... Pastor, you stretched me last week. If we could do that once every five years, that'd be great. And then everybody, there's a few people who are like, yeah, come on. So maybe not exactly what we did last week. We couldn't pull that off every week. But what we could pull off every week in our hearts and in our response is that kind of joy. That kind of thankfulness. That kind of sincere acknowledgement that we love being in the presence of God. And we love being together, right? I, you know, I, I, saw, I saw you engaged with one another last week. I saw some people hanging out last week together that don't normally hang out. And you were having fun together. And you might have even been dancing together. And a few of you ate lunch together. And some of you ate lunch together on our children's tables, which was really funny to watch. A, a big adult sitting on those little chairs. But we had fun together. I got... I got lots of comments as people were leaving the room. I got lot. I've got not lots, but I got a few emails. Pastor, that was awesome. And why was it so awesome? Brendan said it in the middle of the service. Um, he stole. He stole my opening line for my message this week. The reason that it was so awesome is that we tasted a little bit of heaven. That's what heaven's going to be like, whether you like it or not. It's going to be like that, and this morning we're going to talk about heaven, and sorry, I'm, tr- this is not, I'm, I'm a short person, I'm trying to get this up higher, short person who's going blind, um, and we want to look this week um, at, the, at the, the last part of our Party in God series. We've been journeying for nine weeks um, on this theme of a God who likes to party, who throws parties, and who invites us to celebrate with Him in the party. And uh, that uh, party that we started talking about, the party, um, the beginning and the, it, it all begins, this is my thought for you today, it all begins and it all ends with a party. Amen? It all begins and it all ends with a party. And so if you don't like parties, that's your, that's your miracle prayer this morning. God, Lord, do a miracle and help me like parties. At least this party to celebrate the goodness and the wonder of God. I'm gonna hold on to that. Don't let me lose that. I've I've asked if you're wondering uh, if you're wondering if Dan has gone into a semi coma and forgotten that he needs to go to his seat. Uh, it's not true. I've asked him to stay up here because this morning, as we look at the last, as we look, but you can't do anything behind me. All right, that does not work. Unless I've scripted it for you. I've got it in the notes, you know, right there. Um, but uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. But uh, thank you, Dan. Um, this morning, yeah, thank you. This morning, we are going to spend a lot of time in the Word of God. And there's going to be some longer passages that we're going to read from the Word of God. And I know for myself, sometimes when if I'm not like reading and encircling it, hopefully you brought your Bibles this morning. So if you brought your Bibles, you can pull them up and begin to get ready. But uh, I've asked him to 
to play a little background music behind us at times when we're listening to the Word of God, for us to be stirred to really imagine and to embrace what God is trying to describe to us. It all begins and ends with a party, and the party, the capital P party, is Jesus. Amen? You like to say that if I, I like to say if I, wherever I am, there is a party. Wherever Jesus is, there's a party. Do you believe that? It begins and ends with a party, and His name is Jesus. And do you remember when we first started this series, we looked at a story. Um, it's actually the first, um, the first miracle that Jesus performed. Do you remember where that was? That was at a wedding, a wedding in Cana. Do you remember that? So one of His very first declarations of who He was as God was at this party, and if you remember the story, there was a wedding, and we've been to weddings, and it's probably a lot of fun, and there's dancing, and there's singing, and there's shouting, and there's celebration, and there's a beautiful bride, and it's glorious, and in this party, there was wine, and people were drinking wine, and they were celebrating the joy of marriage, and all of a sudden, the wine, the wine ran out, and someone said, we need more wine, that's not a good thing at a party to have wine run out, and so they asked Jesus to turn water into wine, and I'm not going to preach this whole message again, and he did, he turned the water into wine, and do you remember what the host of the party said? The host of the party said, who, this is, this is the best wine of the night, who, who saves the best wine till the end? And we talked about this celebration of new wine, and the good wine that Jesus presents, but it was also a foreshadowing of the last party. Because who saves the best wine till the end? Jesus. And when is the best wine going to be experienced? When Jesus comes back and we are all together with Him celebrating all that He has done and all that He's accomplished and He is pouring out the wine of life and He's saying the best has come. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of not the beginning of Jesus' miracles but the end of consummation of his work and we get to be a part of as the scripture talks about the last wedding so we have the first wedding where he performed a miracle and that last wedding is going to be glorious can you read with me in revelation 5 and we're going to spend some time in revelation this morning then i saw a lamb and as we we, we stop here for a minute that lamb is jesus Jesus was called the Lamb of God. And you're going to see this reference here in this passage of Scripture and in other Scriptures, the Lamb of God. And why was He called the Lamb of God? Because in the sacrificial system of the day, of, in the children of Israel, God had established a, a, a system by which if a, a perfect Lamb was sacrificed, that that was seen as sufficient to remove the sins of the people. And there was a ritual sacrifice of unblemished lambs for forgiveness of sins. And Jesus came to replace that system, that system of sacrifice once and for all, by dying for you and me, for the sins that we've committed, for the, the, the rebellion that is born in our hearts. Jesus said, I want to die in your place. He died for the punishment we deserve. And He, as a perfect man who had no sin,
became sin for us. The perfect Lamb, the Lamb of God. I also want to say when we read Revelation, we have, we have um, described before us to John, the, the one who was seeing these things, I believe we have a, a mix of literal and symbolic that he's seeing. And so we'll see Jesus as you read through Revelation, and we're not going to read through all of Revelation today, by the way. But when we read through Revelation, we see different ways in which Jesus appears or is demonstrated to, to John. So whether or not Jesus is really looking like a lamb in heaven, I doubt it. But I believe that what he represents in this vision that John sees is very, very accurate and clear. So we read here in John's words, I saw a lamb, Jesus, that looked as if it had been slaughtered or slain in another version. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, which is God, the Father. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people, and they sang. You're going to see a lot of singing in these scriptures. And they sang. And I might even try to sing some of this stuff. A new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God. From what? every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice. Picture this. If you have to close your eyes, you can close your eyes the whole time if you want to. The voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. Millions of saying in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Millions of angels singing this. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang. So we've got angels We've got witnesses, we've got elders, we've got creatures. Sounds like Narnia, doesn't it? They sang blessing and honor, glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Do you see lots of things going on here? We have crowds of creation. We've got singing. We've got falling down. We've probably got dancing. We've got a lot going on. And what is it all centered around? The worship of Jesus. The worship of Jesus around the throne and centered on Jesus as a party. Church, the best is yet to come. We tasted something last week and we taste something in our lives, but it is a taste of something 
that is awesome that is coming. Look at Revelation 7, verse 9. And after I saw this, a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb! And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. Why do we fall on our face on the ground? Because there's something so glorious and undescribable and majestic and awesome that the only response sometimes is to fall forward. And sometimes in Scripture, people fell back because of the glory and the awesomeness of God. Worthy. They sang again. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor. And power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. They sing and they sing. Why do we sing? Why do we sing with thanksgiving and worship? Because sometimes words are not enough. Because sometimes we got to put musical notes on it to give it texture and and, in depth and breadth of glory, worship, singing, praise to God. It's a great time of celebrating the Lamb, Jesus. And you know what? I don't see Jesus sitting up there like a military leader, pompous, looking around, gazing, full of whatever that is. (laughs) I don't see Him like that. Although, could He be like that? Yes. Does He deserve that kind of... Does He have that kind of authority? Absolutely. Would He command that kind of respect? Absolutely. But I see Jesus in the way that He revealed Himself. I see him laughing and celebrating with us. I see him wrapping his arms around the elders and the people around and going, isn't this great? This is what it was all about. This is why I did it. This is why I came out of heaven and emptied myself of my heavenly form and humbled myself in the form of a servant and loved and served and lived perfectly on this world and did not call the angels to rescue me but willingly went to the cross and died for every one of you because I pictured this I pictured this I hear Jesus saying I pictured this I knew that every tribe and every tongue and every nation would be here to celebrate the glory of my salvation It's a great day to celebrate Jesus. Church, the best is yet to come. Amen? The best is yet to come. The end of time when Jesus assumes final authority, we see this in Revelation 19, verse 6, And I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of a mighty ocean wave, or the crash of loud thunder. 
You hear John trying to go, I don't know how to describe this. It's like thunder, waves. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride, that's us, the church has prepared herself. She's been given. She's not earned. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Jesus has dressed us. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb? Is there anybody you heard David share about it last week? We, we emphasize it as a theme last week. Who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb? Is there anybody in this room that is not invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb? Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited to the wedding feast of the, the Lamb. The only question is, will you come? Will you receive the invitation of Jesus? We have an enemy. We read in chapter 20, there's an end to the works of the devil as well. Verse 10, then the devil who had deceived them, mankind, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You know what's interesting about Satan? Which puts into perspective Um, the wrath that he receives from God, he saw God face to face. He lived as a created being in the presence of God. He observed God's character and his goodness and his kindness and his love and his mercy and he still chose to say, I don't want to be in your family. I want to do my own thing. And then, He went about trying to deceive and destroy every person that God had created. We have an enemy, but the enemy's defeated. Jesus has defeated him. He's already defeated. The power of the enemy has no hold on you and me if we trust in Jesus. No hold. He tells you he has a hold on you. You feel like he has a hold on you because of the the struggles that you face in your life. But the reality is, the truth is, is that there's no hold that Satan has over your life because he's been defeated by Jesus. That when we put our trust in Jesus, the works of the enemy have been destroyed. But there is also a final reckoning in Revelation 20 describes it in verse 10. And in verse chapter 21, we move on. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem (laughs) coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look God's home is now among his people, he will live with them and they will be his people God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes And there will be no more death, 
There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. No more pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new! Sorry, just had to do it. Because that's what I think he does. I think he does that. I think he says, now let's get going. Redemption, restoration of the old earth, the old body, new heaven, new earth. Redemption by the hand of God. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it's finished. (laughs) I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, there's this invitation again. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You see, redemption in thanksgiving and praise comes with the recognition that we have been redeemed or rescued from something else that we deserve. It's no act of worship or thanksgiving when you don't think you deserve something other than what you're receiving. But when we recognize, God, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I've seen. As Paul talks about his own list, and this list is not comprehensive. This list is just a list of the ugliness of our heart without Jesus. Paul said, you were once one of these, but you no longer are in Christ because of the redemption of Jesus. When we experience the forgiveness in the redemption of Jesus, we have praise and thanksgiving and worship in our hearts. And that's who I am today. Is that who you are? The best is yet to come for those who believe in Jesus. And the worst for those who don't. My hope today is no one will miss out on hearing this because they miss the one that loves them, that made them, who was slain, slaughtered for their redemption. So what does this journey towards redemption look like? How did we or do we get a chance to be a part of all of this? Well, for you and me, it begins and ends with a party, doesn't it? The same way, doesn't it? Jesus prepared a party for you and I. And how did he do it? By making a way for you. And we already talked about this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus. You were and are invited to a party We talked about that in Revelation 21 where he said the thirsty can come 
In Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Come to me. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. His intent when he came was that we would see who he is, one who has every ounce of love directed towards you, desiring the fullest measure if he can feel or experience, way more than you and I could feel. I want you to know me and to experience my party. He doesn't want any of us to experience judgment, but he wants all of us to know life. For most of us in the room, when we gave our hearts to Jesus and we entered into that party, he didn't take us home, did he? Because you're still here. Is anybody dead in the room? I just want to make sure I'm speaking to the right people. We're still here. And why did he leave us here? He left us here to learn of him, to learn of his love, through the pains and the triumphs of life here on earth, so that we can bring glory to Him here, right? So that we can bring glory to Him here and we can learn of Him here and we can lead others to Him here and so that we can have a full and complete appreciation of who He is there. Jesus left us here so that we can know Him. In some ways, we, in some, sometimes the way that we find Our knowing of Him is through trial and through suffering. Living in this world that is not heaven yet. And many of us in the room, all of us in the room, I would imagine, can understand that. He left us here because He made us party invitations. That was purposeful in how I said that. You are the party invitation. You're not the inviters. You're the invitation. The invitation to the party is written on your life. If Jesus lives in you, then when people see you, they should see an invitation to a party. What is different about you? Why do you have hope? Why, as you're going through this trial of suffering, do you talk about a hope that I don't understand? Why, when you talk about this life where you've made many mistakes or you've hurt people or you've hurt yourself, do you experience forgiveness and you're not walking in shame? Why do you have this kind of life? Who are you? I'm an invitation to Jesus. You can have what I have by putting your trust in God. Come on, follow me as I follow Christ. He's alive. And we see glimpses of his party to come here on earth, don't we? The kingdom has come. Has anybody ever seen a healing? We've got some healing testimonies in the room. We heard about healings last week, didn't we? Has anybody seen God's miraculous provision? Has anybody seen the grace and the love of God expressed in such a way that is beyond human understanding or compassion? Has anybody seen the kingdom of God? Here on earth. Yes. And does he want us to see more of it? Yes. Does he want to break into this world and bring heaven to earth? He tells us to pray for it. 
In the Lord's Prayer, he said, You're, he said to pray, he said for us to pray, he said, pray that my kingdom would come, my will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He's wanting to bridge those worlds and show us, give us a dress rehearsal, give us a taste. Give the world a taste of what is to come. It is good, but the best is yet to come. Which is why when people are dying, they can have hope. Because they know, if they know Jesus, this is good. This is good. And I've had some good days on this earth. But if I fully understand what we just read, it's better there with Jesus. So that Paul could say, whether I stay or go, it's good. It's life for me. His kingdom is here and it's in heaven. So knowing that it is ahead, we keep trusting, we keep believing, we keep seeing and hoping for the kingdom to break through now and finally break through then. We know the best is yet to come so that we can agree with the writer of Hebrews when he says, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised for in just a little while. The coming one, Jesus, will come and not delay. And all the while, we not only see breaking ends of His kingdom, but we begin to see Him. We begin to see Him in His glory more clearly and we become more like Him. When we live in this world and we pursue Jesus in heaven through the lens of suffering and trial and hardship and triumph, we begin to walk with Him day by day. We have a friendship with Him. We start to see Him more and more, don't we, Tabby? And when we start to see Him more and more through these trials and tribulations and triumphs and through other people's lives, we not only start to see Him, but what happens to us? What's the Scripture say? We start to look more like Him, don't we? And the veil begins to be removed and we start to see the kingdom and the blurry line between heaven up here and heaven here starts to, starts to get messy. It starts to change and we're not sure if we're in heaven or we're on earth sometimes. Last week I wasn't sure if I was in heaven or on earth. I couldn't decide where I was. And then Isaac stepped on my foot and I realized where I was. I was on earth. There was pain. <laughs> Second Corinthians 3, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Here and now, or there and then? Yes. Heaven, here and now, or there and then? Yes. Yes, it is. The best is yet to come, and the best is here. We die. 1 Corinthians 15, 51-57, there might be some of us who don't die when Jesus comes back. If we're alive, we'll be caught up into Him, but for most of us, we are on a walk towards death that will be turned into glorious eternal life. 
But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret, Paul says. We will not all die, but we'll all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life or to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Quote, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God. Thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I had a really fun moment last week as I was thinking about this in heaven and there were many of us that were from different nations around the world and you were in your traditional dress and I thought, you look so beautiful and so different and this is colorful and this is awesome and then I thought, what's it going to be like when our bodies are transformed? You know, this beautiful pink and purple hat Ooh, just getting more glorious and beautiful and the I just I just saw all of you like glorious bodies I was like wow how awesome is that going to be when in our uniqueness of who God's created and made us to be as transformed in something glorious that is for eternity so what's our response today we'll end here Lord Jesus we love you. Our response to the best is yet to come is to come. Is to come. So stand up with me. My first invitation Jesus spoke. In one of the passages of Scripture that we read, that any of you who are thirsty, and in another passage of Scripture, he says, any of you who are hungry, or in another passage of Scripture in Isaiah, it says, if you don't have money to buy what you're hungry for, come, and I will give you food, I will give you drink, I will give you sustenance that never wears out, I will change your life if you'll trust in me. So this morning, I want to invite you to come. If you have never put your hand and trust in the hand of Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you've never come and received the glorious life that He offers you, the love that He so abundantly extends to you, I would invite you to come right now. I, and I, I'm serious. Like, actually get out of your seat and come down front if that is you. To, to receive spiritually and eternally the hug and the salvation of God. Is there anybody in this room that said, that's me, and I don't want to miss the party. I don't want to miss the opportunity that is you, I would invite you to come. And I'll just wait for just one minute. The glorious thing is, is that when we get to heaven, we'll be surrounded by millions and millions of people. But at the same time, 
Jesus will know your name. Isn't that crazy? And he'll even have the voice to be able to call you out. Row 4,321, C202. Diane, come! He'll know you. But right now, it's not that big of a crowd. But God is saying, is that you? You want to come? Anybody at all? He says, well, Pastor, you're making it hard on me. I'll do it. You don't have to come here. But there's something about it. I can tell you, when I was 12 years old, I was in a church of about 1,000, and Jesus said, come. And I had to walk 50 rows down an aisle. It was on TV. I was crying, and I had to walk in front of the pastor and shake his hand. But I didn't think about any of that. Because I wanted to be with Jesus. Are you coming? Anybody else? Jesus is so happy. He's celebrating. Anybody else? Say, I'm coming. I want to be a part of that crowd. says come in your place of need as believers to experience the kingdom of God now, right? We talked about his will being done here as it is in heaven. Are there any people in this room who say, you know what, I'm believing right now that God would bring healing to my body or bring a miracle to my life. And I, I want to I experience and ask for the power of God, the miracle of God in my life right now. Is there anybody that would like to to respond to Jesus in that way, come forward. And if I could have some people that would be willing to pray for those who come forward for this invitation, that would be awesome. This is, if we really believe what we read, then it's not far-fetched for Jesus, who is as glorious as what we just talked about, to say, I want to minister to you right now. I love you. I can set you free right now. I can add to your faith of a mustard seed and make that mountain go away? That can happen right now. As you come forward and if you feel a hand on your shoulder and you want to share more specifically what your prayer need is, you can do that. And if not, the person can just begin to pray for you however you want it. Elena, it's great to see you. Anybody else? The Spirit of God's moving right now, congregation. The lines of heaven are blurring right now as God brings and pours out his invitation for people to come. last invitation as we pray for those in the front is last week we had a 
a little bit of an encounter of heaven when we worshiped and praised God, didn't we? And so there should probably already be in you as ones behind watching a little bit of celebration and worship of just what God is doing in people's lives. But there's so much more of thanksgiving and praise that might be going on in your own life of what he's done in your life. And so I'm going to ask Dan to lead us in a song of worship or praise or however you want to lead us, Dan. And we will position ourselves around the throne of heaven, around the Lamb of God and worship and thank him.